Hello and welcome to Collectively Speaking. Uh, This is a new podcast series looking at the big issues in the built environment. My name is Max Farrell. I'm the founder and chief exec of the LDN Collective. And this series is conversations with different members of the LDN Collective. The LDN Collective is a group of specialists who are driven by environmental and social values. We collaborate together in a bottom-up way. And I think the fascinating thing about this group is that all the different uh, voices and the different perspectives and the fact that when we come together, that's when the magic happens. So I'm really pleased to be giving a platform to our members to talk about the topics that are important to them and for you to get them to know them a bit better. So Tanisha, really good to be talking to you here today. And not many people will know, but you're not just a member of the LDN Collective, but you're also part of the collective in the sense that you've been helping and really driving a lot of our public profile in terms of social media and managing our platforms, but also helping me on how we get the word out there and uh, helping with events. And it's been great to have your support. And I know that you're starting to do that more now for some of our other members, like Best Delivery. But you've also got some really interesting other clients that we get to hear a bit more about and your views really about the industry and um particularly the, from the point of view of having somebody who was qualified as an architect and then went into communications. And I think you've worked both in-house and as an agency, now running your own agency, uh, Concept Culture. So, um, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, uh, your journey to get here, and uh, your thoughts about where we are as an industry. So my journey, I like to define it as a squiggly <laughs> it was not at all uh, linear by any uh, shape or form. So I trained as an architect uh, in India and my university degree was very much about sustainability and human habitat. And that was down to our um, our course director. And that got me really thinking about how to implement green design and practice. And this is now 15, 15 years ago. And that's why I moved to the UK and I went to Nottingham University to study more about uh, sustainable design in practice because they had a really good program. Uh, they were doing research live on site through low energy homes, with people actually living in the houses and measuring building performance. And, and also when I graduated, it was the peak of the first recession. So there was no work available for a fresh architect, foreign architect, um, uh, and I just kept hitting walls. I couldn't find work in practice, but I knew I wanted to to be a part of uh, the sector. So um, I thought I have to find another way around it if I can't work directly as an architect. So I ended up working at the Arctic's Journal um, with the sustainability editor, Hattie Hartman, on her sustainability blog called Footprint. Because uh, she was quite keen uh, to bring in my experience from my master's degree. And through that process, I started meeting people and started meeting architects. I started learning about uh, sustainability and practice. And and it was quite strange because I realized that the industry was no way on par with where academia was. So there were so many things that we had learned about building performance modeling tools and the like. And very few people were using it in practice, at least architects. 
Uh, and, you know, that was the time also we were talking about code for sustainable homes and, you know, the regulations were ramping up for part L, but architects weren't talking about it. Uh, the engineers were, where architects weren't talking about it. So a lot of my peers found work in engineering uh, practices, but I was quite adamant that I wanted to work um, uh, as an architect because I knew that that's where I could um more value, let's say, rather than working uh, as an engineer. But through working with the Arts Journal and meeting a lot of people, then I came across this organization called the Sustainable Development Foundation. And they were looking for someone to run their marketing and, and comms. And, uh, and I applied because it, it seemed like an interesting space because they were also about building performance, uh, measuring performance and embodied carbon. So I started uh, working with them and I, I worked for, with them for a couple of years. And, and I learned so much on the ground about the industry and how sustainability was considered as a solution, as a building solution. And there was so much to address in terms of making sustainability mainstream. Even at the time, it was something considered very niche that only a certain people you know, were interested in doing. And mainstream was not talking about sustainability at all. And I learned a lot about writing, communicating, branding, storytelling, and making sustainability accessible because a lot of it is very technical. A lot of it is, you know, about statistics and it's quite complex. And I realized that there was a difference between the sustainability warriors, let's call them, and the mainstream. And the two camps were not talking to each other. And they were all w working in silo. And purely mainstream was only doing it if regulation made them do it. And there was no way that they, those two groups were coming together and they were operating, uh, you know, along different paths. And then luck happened, the market turned and people were hiring again in practice. And I thought, okay, this is my way to get back into practice. And then I worked with a couple of practices. And that's also where I understood how people were um, addressing sustainability. And, you know, it was mainly about meeting the regulations. Very few people were genuinely interested in delivering it on the ground. So having worked with people who were generally passionate about sustainability, it really got me thinking as to why there was this why there was this disconnect. And a lot of times the answer I was told was cost. It's more expensive. It's a more premium product. And no one was buying into the angle that it's good for the planet. It's, this makes good business sense. And, and then suddenly the directives came from above. Uh, you know, everyone was talking about uh, making sustainably more, more mainstream. And then now it's uh, it has become mainstream you know, 15 years later. It's taken 15 years to get here. Now everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to be a part of it. And I hope uh, that they want to be a part of it genuinely. Um, and then what happened at that time was then I became disillusioned with, with practice because I felt like, okay, these people aren't actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Also, I felt that I hadn't found my place in practice uh, that could offer me what I needed and which was a mix of actually storytelling mm. and design. And then uh, one of my past mentors said to me, well, it looks like the job that you want doesn't exist. Maybe you create it for yourself. And, and so that's what I did. Uh, he, he said, you know, you can just go on company's house and set up a company. And I was like, wow, just like that. It's that easy. It's that easy. And it turns out it was just, it was that easy. And, uh, and that's how concept culture was born. It was a frustration of not finding my place in, in architecture and, and knowing that there was more I could give to the industry in terms of 
sustainable narrative, telling an authentic story, bringing people along with you on that journey. And one of the first projects that I did under Concept Culture was creating a brand for a home retrofit service called Cozy Homes Oxfordshire. And that's where I really cut my teeth in terms of helping. Uh, so it was a base-funded project, and I helped the project partners create this brand, which they're still using till today. So it's always a moment of pride when I see their content uh, and I see uh, the brand and the narrative that we developed for them. And now that service is helping homeowners in Oxfordshire um, retrofit their home and make it fit for purpose. Great stuff. Um, amazing journey that you've been on. And I suppose what's interesting to me is is having also worked in architectural practice, but also worked in communications practice before, before that is how I can tell that your your mindset and your the the way you approach things is very often as you might even in, when it's in communications is how you might approach an architectural project, which is to be quite structured uh, and make sure that the the right people know what they need to be doing and when and 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 that's so important for communications because especially these days where there's so many different platforms and whether it's events or whether it's social media and all the different social media channels, is to, to be very well organized, but also make sure that there's consistency and that everything fits together and works. And and uh, and that's something I find interesting. Do you, do you think that there is a sort of methodology? So whether it's because they're quite varied, the companies you work with, there's future cities, cultural placemaking, there's uh, better delivery uh, members who you've been helping uh, who do sort of modern construction methods and uh, and that type of thing? Is, is there an overarching sort of methodology that helps you? What helps you help them tell their story authentically? Absolutely. And um, just to build on your point about bringing my architecture training and project management skills to uh, to the projects, the way we run them at Concept Culture, uh, it's very much uh, structured, and there's a lot of discipline involved and um well i i'd like to think that we are running a communications plan as along the same lines as we as i would run a a building project but to answer your question about methodology definitely there are a few steps that we take our our clients on and it is an ongoing journey process of branding is a process of discovery it's not something that you just say okay this is my brand and, and this is it and we'll run with it uh it takes time Mm-hmm. Uh, to un- unravel the various layers of what your brand really is. Um, but the first step that we would do is a brand discovery process. And it's as, as simple as asking the right questions. And so we ask um, very structured questions. We ask clients about where they are currently, where where they would like to be, what's their vision, and how they see themselves in the next two, three, or five years' time, or maybe if it's a bigger company, they might have a 20-year vision. Um, and and what how they what this what are the steps that they would like to take to achieve the you know said said vision? And then we'll ask um, supporting questions around uh, what their current market landscape looks like. So uh, who is their target client or their dream client or uh, who are their competitors or uh, or people they aspire to be like? We will study all their their answers and then we will meet with them in then what we call the a workshop, the first brand discovery workshop, and then we'll exchange notes and uh, we'll say, okay, this is what you've answered. This is what it uh, what it looks like on paper. You know, this is all all makes sense. And 
once we've agreed on what the brand looks like, then we will recommend what they need. So it depends on whether they want to uh, raise brand awareness or whether they want to increase their following by X percent or, or whether it's just a case of ticking along and keeping their social media content active or their digital content active. So it really depends on what the client needs and, and um, what's the best solution to get them there. So once we've created, uh, completed the discovery process, then we move on to um, design, uh, depending on whether it is. So if it was, for example, a rebrand or creating a new brand, then that's when we'd start um, uh, working on the design. And in the case of a branding project, uh, we first start with strategy. And in very simple terms, it, it just helps the client articulate what their vision is, uh, where they see themselves in the next 10, 15 years or so, what their mission is, how they're going to get to that said vision and what their values are. And then if they want to dig a little bit deeper, then we might probably help them with their positioning uh, and their purpose. Uh, so a lot of the brands we work with are purpose-led, like the LDN Collective. And so we want to get deep down into what their purpose is and what their why is. So essentially purpose and why go hand to hand because once you understand your why, you will be able to, you will have clarity to share that with your audience and, mm -hmm. and invite them on that journey with you to, you know, follow your journey as you reach your vision. So that's really interesting, Tanisha, and to understand that, you know, your your methodology and, and how you work with clients to, to unravel these things and, and tell a distinctive story. But is, is there certain issues that you find that are very particular to the built environment that the majority of practices are grappling with? And how are you finding it in terms of helping them on that journey to resolve these issues and and uh, help that inform their purpose and their their why so a lot of the times i find the a lot of the consultancies that we work with they have so much content and so much to say but their biggest pain point is time because the sector that we operate in particularly if you are an architect or a designer it's very complex and uh the day-to-day -day is is very overwhelming. So then when you have to think about, oh, what am I going to post on social media today? It's just the last thing on your agenda. And for the most part, most of our clients are, you know, they're enlightened enough that they know that they have to do it. But it's just a case of, you know, energy and time. And that's where we we help them because then we outline a structured process to get their content being delivered uh, in a more consistent manner. So that structure helps them think about, think ahead about what they have to say, and then hopefully helps them build the discipline out about, oh, I'm on site today, I need to capture this, this I can use that, uh, you know, in, in some content in a newsletter or uh, social media. So the, the number one thing I found is, is time. But for the most part, a lot, a lot of our clients have very good stories to tell, but it's just about time. And, Another thing that I've noticed, especially the more established businesses, they do struggle to get their message across because it's been so many years and they probably haven't gone back and checked, uh, you know, reconnecting with who they were when they first started out. And I think it's a case of um, having maybe, I don't know, a checklist or a procedure in place that to do that brand audit once a year at least. So maybe you you set up and you created your brand at the outset 
and then, you know, life took over, business took over and you got caught up in the day to day. And then now 10 years later, you're, you haven't refreshed that brand message or that brand strategy. And now you look dated, you look out of date, you're not uh, on par with your competitors. And I've seen that, uh, that too. I know you're quite actively involved in promoting more diversity in the built environment and you work with the uh, women in um, architecture that's right organization and obviously you're a great example of uh, a business uh, led by somebody from a ethnic minority background which is a, a big issue in the built environment and i think there's some structural issues as in um you know, now that we have to pay tuition fees and architecture is such a long course, it means that uh, people that uh, tend to have money in the first place get into architecture. And that's not good for designing for everybody from every social and socioeconomic background. So can you tell me what you think about where we are at this point in time and, and how things might continue to change, hopefully for the better in terms of more diversity in, in the built environment? As you've already said, architecture does have a problem. It has an image problem. And it's particularly in, in the UK. Obviously, I studied in, in India and in studying architecture in India had, had its own uh, issues. But exactly as you said, it's it's not accessible economically to to certain uh, to certain groups of of people. And even after you complete your studies, let's say you've got a scholarship and you complete your studies. Um, it's not particularly lucrative for for young architects starting out. The starting salaries are are very very low, and the you know work culture is can be poor. You find yourself really you know struggling to just meet your expenses, and then you know having to work a very 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 um, tough job on a day to day. Being an architect is tough. Uh, I remember very very long days. Uh, in in the studio and and there was still nowhere close to finishing what I what I what had to be finished. So it is tough. And if architecture wants to attract more diverse groups, I think it is about changing that image and inviting people to see the good practices that are out there because there's so much negativity around. And there are good practices that are doing good work and making an effort to create inclusive cultures. And they are on a more smaller scale, to be fair, but um, uh, but they are they are out there. And the more we celebrate those practices, the more we can encourage uh, the incoming generation to take up architecture. Because for the most part, even if you were to ask me if I would recommend uh, you know, someone starting out, if they should study architecture, I would say hard no. Really? I would say hard no. I would say hard no. Having gone through what I, what I, what I had, uh, I would say, I would say no, unless the profession gets its act together, you know, communicates its value better, charges, uh, you know, uh, charges better, erases their fees. And then subsequently that then has a knock on effect down to staff and pay pay people well, pay them uh, what they what they deserve and treat them well, take care of them. I think definitely when I was uh, practicing, there was no duty of care, absolutely no duty of care uh, for your physical or mental health. Okay, a bit of a rallying cry there, and uh, um, I think that that will probably get on to sort of how we can round all that up because there's some amazing sort of insights into what you do and. Uh, and 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 what where the industry is at. 
So what's next for you and, and concept culture? And, and just to, to, to ask you a question that you ask your, your clients, where do you see yourselves in three or five years' time? Gosh, that's a tough one. I mean, because, you know, like a, a doctor can't operate on themselves, that kind of thing. Um, that's a tough one. Well, I mean, in, in five years' time, I hope to be working with a larger roster of clients similar to the LDN Collective and its uh, and its member and working with a good uh, group of purposeful, uh, purpose-led practices, consultancies. And we'd also like to start working more on um, on the place branding and place marketing side of things is allowed. Now we do a lot of uh, corporate branding and corporate marketing that, which essentially means helping consultancies get their message and their story out. But we would like to evolve into place making. Um, and that also comes from my background as an architect. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm like telling a lot of stories about people and the work they do. And then I think the next natural evolution uh, for me would be to tell stories of people and, and places. And that also is, Will play into my uh, wanderlust, and as as you know, I travel a lot. So um, I'd like to bring those stories and my adventures from around the world into the narratives we create for uh, for for our places. So that's where I'd like to see concept culture in the next uh, couple of years. And um, generally, I like um, the built environment to embrace storytelling more. I mean, most other industries do. But I have felt that uh, that our sector um, lacks a bit on imaginative and creative storytelling, and particularly now uh, in the age of short-form video, as it were. So platforms like TikTok are getting huge traction, particularly with uh, the Gen Z and the younger audiences. There's a real opportunity to inspire the next generation uh, to become part of the built environment sector. And you can do that by showing up where they are, uh, and inspiring them to, to be part of the future of the, of the built environment. So embrace the short form video platforms like TikTok or YouTube, uh, and Instagram even, uh, and, um, you know, share what, what's good about the built environment and podcasts and podcasts definitely yeah no I, absolutely i think uh, at the start of the year we uh, we wrote a blog about um how to you know tell your authentic story in 2023 and there were three three main tips um which i'd like to share and the first one was embracing storytelling and the second was using short form videos short form videos and the third was podcasts because people uh, there's something about the audio only format that really connects with people and it engages a specific part of your brain because you're not all your other senses are not engaged it's only the auditory sense that's engaged so there's you know something about someone listening to someone you can be on, you the, can move be on the move or right. you know and and you can listen to someone and uh, absorb yeah. the, the yeah. podcast definitely excellent well that's been a really good one talisha thank you and uh yeah looking forward to keeping working with you and uh over the years and uh and uh, it's been it's a pleasure working with you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, guys. I look forward to continuing to be part of the Alien Collective.